0: You know, I just, I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. Never going to run around and desert you. Never going to make you cry. Never going to say goodbye. Never going to tell a lie
1: and hurt you. So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget.
0: We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. They've no idea we're
1: coming. Take hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred.
0: I will take the next chance. And the next. Time. You're all rebels, aren't you?
1: jesse aka the bizzle oh the bizzle thank you <laughs> the bizzle thank you the bizzle yeah the bizzle all right ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, cast it has been a great week for the Bizzlecast. cast as we now will have both alistair and britney uh, aka brick girl from nova stream network on in the same week to talk about a huge array of topics between these two uh, guests and these two appearances uh as of recording I just released the Alistair podcast. It's doing great. Thank you guys. Um and uh this will come out a little bit later. Uh let's see. It's June 6th. Uh maybe June 7th, June 8th. And I've got Brick Girl on and you, I'm sure if you've seen the title of this podcast or looked at the imagery of the podcast or read this uh, the copy, you know what we want to be talking about in it. But really, Brittany, the reason you're on the podcast is because you asked to be on the podcast. So you're on. So, <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Well, it, it's been a hot minute. So I just yeah. thought, you know what? I should jump back on the Bizzlecast. And yeah. we, had a, we have a big thing to talk about. I mean, yeah. the Bumblebee trailer. I,
1: I will say, I'm not just patting your back. I have numerous other um, podcasters who don't n- know you who want to be on a podcast with you. You're, you're in high demand right now. So I appreciate you really. back. Well, I appreciate you wanting well, to come right. back and then actually coming back. It's fantastic
0: yeah it's just it's been it's been a bit of a month actually no it's probably been a bit of like how long has it been five months
1: so guys we're gonna hey. launch right into it because you've read the title and we got stuff to talk about we do they're gonna be framed around the bumblebee trailer but also the people involved in the trailer the connection to batgirl birds of prey other things that Brittany talked about but Brittany j howarth it is june 6th okay it was it exactly one year ago yesterday that we released our first podcast together, which was us going shit face giggly over Wonder Woman.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. By the way, it's seventh year, so I'm just going to bust your bubble a little bit.
1: Two days ago that we went shit face crazy over. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, it would have still been the same time. It would have just been the sixth for you. Hi, got you
0: oh snap
1: snap don't go, don't go time travel on me i own this genre um
0: oh it's just
1: yeah, yeah. It's I, I literally called time travel in star wars a year ago and they introduced it two months ago and still nobody will believe me i got in a fight with my major contributor about it recently so i got i got a nose for this stuff brit and and the only reason i'm dragging this on is because i also have a nose for things regarding the relationship between man and machine both utopian, dystopian, somewhere in the middle. Lots of properties. You know, I mean, you think of Transformers as just a dumb cartoon and, and action figures from the '80s, which we'll get back to. But ultimately, it's about the relationship between man and robots, and you know, a sentient artificial intelligence. So you can bring in uh, everything from Ex Machina and Battlestar and a Blade Runner and RoboCop, RoboCop. And
0: I haven't seen that. Please, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but also things that are similar in ways other than just giant robots like voltron like power rangers and so forth so all yeah. of this stuff's gonna come up um but Brittany, that first podcast was so epic uh, and by the way guys britney's a little a little sick so we really appreciate her uh coming on and fighting through the through the pain here and if you hear any noise on my end it's because there's some moving happening in my house so
0: yeah well i've got it's raining here and it's raining men hallelujah sorry It was required. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's raining here, so I'm sorry if you hear the rain as well. It's just, Mm. it's it's winter, so, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah, Winter in a tropical area. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And if I get my way before this podcast over, we're going to have Brit girl Rickroll you to shit, if possible. We'll see if we can work up (laughs) towards that. So, Brittany... Our first podcast was so epic and so great and so long, we had to split into two, which I'd only done a couple times in the, in the past. So we had 96, which came out exactly a year ago, basically. It was all about Wonder Woman. That was 45 minutes. But then we, we moved to Bad Girl. Which, between a couple... So, guys, basically, I discovered Brick Girl via her reaction to the initial Joss Whedon announcement of Batgirl two Aprils ago, and it took us a couple months to get it going in terms of being on the Which podcast. If, if
0: I could just jump in, yes. I loved the discussion between you and Alistair about thanks. the the crap that Whedon has gone through. I didn't know the half of it, yep. so it's actually a really good listen if you jump onto that podcast, guys. Listen in.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah. We, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Brittany alistair totally owned me with, with with that joss whedon drop i <laughs> it, it's he drops it so slowly i had no idea what i literally had no idea what was coming out of his mouth and guys you, it's worth the list about half hour into my alistair podcast where he talks about his dream movie being a hawkeye scarlet witch uh, uh black I'm widow a movie Kai fan
0: too me too yeah i'm so disappointed that other people don't like I him know. i think he's great he's
1: great but then, you know, drops that He wants just Whedon to, to direct this movie. And, uh you know, Alistair has a very complicated relationship with with weedon and, and we talk a lot about the last year or two with Whedon and Zack Snyder and what happened at DC and the Justice League. And Weedon had to mm-hmm. leave or, or was either forced out of Batgirl, decided to leave Batgirl, pressured out of it, some form of it. But yeah, thanks, Britt, for, for the plug and for the listen. And you guys can listen to it there. So I won't rehash that too much, but... It was because of that initial announcement in April of 2017 that you and I got that I got in touch with you and you got in touch back
0: and you thought I was British.
1: I thought you were British because you're named brick girl and you have a really thin I'm not going to let you live that down. Well no, well the the person that doesn't let me let me live it down is Alistair because <laughs> he was offended that I said that he sounds clearly Australian and you're kind of ambi, a little am- ambiguous. Um um I can put it on, though. Well, the thing is, guys, Bye. if you've listened to us before and you've heard Brittany do her Hooray impression, her Daisy Risley impression, it basically sounds like the same person.
0: Anyways, Britney. are built on hope. So,
1: that's Jyn Erso. God damn you. Which is, she's I got come no up. idea. There's a drinking game of Jyn Erso and Rogue One on my podcast now. and Jyn will come up in relation to the Bumblebee trailer. However... Our main discussion centered around Batgirl, about you getting me into Batgirl in the two months between us, first in contact, and doing the podcast, me reading a ton while I was overseas. I came back opening weekend from Europe, opening weekend of Wonder Woman, saw it on No Sleep in the afternoon, recorded that very night with Britney, and then released it immediately. And we still ended up talking mostly about Batgirl.
0: Oh, yeah, I could talk forever about that lady. And She's we, amazing!
1: You guys may be surprised that we're using Bumblebee as the front piece of uh, abyssal cast but by the time we are done talking about the reasons why as i've already stated some of them you won't be surprised but Brittany, <laughs> i i had to do it because i i sometimes quote myself in the past and i don't want to get it wrong i listened to that podcast from a year ago and we start talking about who might be Batgirl, b- b- girl okay This is back when Mm -hmm. Joss Whedon was doing it, back when Wonder Woman was killing it, back when we thought Justice League was going to be a five-star amazing accomplishment, launch all those characters, which maybe it still will. Joss was going to maybe do Batgirl, which sounded amazing to both you and I. And I said on that podcast, uncategorically, in fact, more times than I remember, in, in an almost annoying amount of time, pushing Hallie Steinfeld as the lead for Batgirl. And this was well before I even knew Bumblebee was a thing or who the hell Christina Hodgson is. So... Brittany, I want to talk about all of these connections, but let's let's go let's let's circle back to the main title of the podcast, which is Bumblebee. So, for our listeners who don't really care or have seen the Transformers movie, can you give us a little intro as to what is this movie and why they're making it potentially, um, but also why people are excited about it?
0: Well, that's funny. I've got no idea. I'm not a Transformer fan, but I do have the, um, the storyline up from IMDb. So, on the run in the year of 1987, Bumblebee finds refuge in a junkyard in a small Californian beach town. Charlie, a.k.a. H- Haley Steinfeld, on the cusp of turning 18 and trying to find her place in the world, discovers Bumblebee, battle-scarred and broken. When Charlie revives him, she quickly learns this is no ordinary. Yellow. VW bug.
1: That was good. That's
0: yeah, well, thank you.
1: Wow. You well, had a you. better Southern accent there at points than half of the Logan lucky cat roasted. <laughs> <sighs> And accents are going to come back up because we've also talked about Haley uh, Atwell um, in, in relation to the Batgirl property, You know, diff- maybe a yes. different time and place. My, my only question is, can she pull off an American accent? Um, because I actually think we might get both of our Haley. We, let me put it this way. There's a very, very foreseeable way forward, both in terms of the logistics of the movies and the movies themselves, that we could see both Haley's play Batgirl at some point, mm, I think. That so, is what I want. Okay, so That'd back it awesome. up. So there's been a bunch of trans- transformers movies i am look i am the g1 aka generation one transformers guy 1984 to 1987 they made those toys and shows for me they had gi joe the original teenage mutant ninja turtles all of those shows which they keep remaking to various levels of quality were for my exact young boy age group and i had all the transformers toys however Britney, the Transformers toys were always way cooler than the shows to me. Whereas like, I love Ninja Turtles toys, but I also love Ninja Turtles shows and movies and stuff like that. And so when they started making not one, but five Transformers movies over the last decade or so with Michael Bay, who is not considered an artistic director, but they keep making money with these movies. I was kind of shocked. So when, let's, let's just start from the beginning really quickly. When Transformers 1, the movie, came out in 2007, did you even know what it was? Other than by name?
0: I think I would have known what it was. I mean, there's a couple of different animations that pop up. We had this little morning, like, weekly morning cartoon show called uh, Toast- uh, Cheese TV, which became Toasted TV. Um, so that's where I watched Pokemon. Uh, that's where I watched Dragon Ball Z. I think Digimon was on it every now and then. But I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if Transformers was there. So I knew, I knew about the property. I just wasn't a fan. I just hadn't watched any of the stuff. So in 2007, you said. So I was 13. When that film came out with Shia LaBeouf.
1: So okay, let's forget the fact that Shia LaBeouf's a maniac of questionable talent, <laughs> and Megan Fox is of clearly no talent. I have no idea what her. was. Hey, she was in Teenage Mutant
0: Ninja Turtles as well. So actually, I was thinking the other day, Haley Steinfeld would have made a great April O'Neill. Just saying
1: i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that because that's so low on my list of Haley steinfeld priority list even though i do well, love no, the Ninja mean, like, turtles but the hair yeah she has done that well, wavy hair done well she does yeah. she has that wavy hair she definitely does and by the way guys check out brick girls uh video reaction to um in fact you might want to go to youtube real quick pause us watch britt's video reaction to uh to to bumblebee if you haven't seen the trailer that's the best way to watch it where come i back.
0: butcher everything about well, transformers do, okay first of all
1: the fact that you're one of the only nerds on the internet that didn't know it for sure that that was john cena actually gives me lots of respect for you because john cena I am oh. one of the only nerds on the internet who gives two shits about wrestling and th- one of the many things i'll never understood about other nerds podcasters and, and cultural figures is the obsession with wrestling but apparently he's great and everyone loves him and he seems like <laughs> he's going to be like uh what's his face from captain america the winter soldier
0: I feel like he's he's like Channing Tatum, but for the wrestling world. But at the same time, like, I don't know about Australia and wrestling that well, how it, like, if it's a big entertainment thing here. I knew one person growing up who was really into the wrestling characters. I don't think he is anymore. So I, I just don't think it's, it mustn't be a big thing here. Maybe that's why it's just gone over my head. I know John Cena because of the memes, because it's like getting Rick World. Then all of a sudden you get John Cena. Blasted through your speakers mm-hmm. with the trumpets.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, as you can tell, I'm having trouble figuring out how to carve into the main discussion here because, again, this isn't a movie franchise or a movie other than writer and actress that I would normally care about. But mm-hmm. I found the Bumblebee trailer oddly affecting. But on repeat viewings, it's clear why, because I am obsessed about these stories, about various l- levels of love and relationship that man and machine can have. Oh, The Matrix, obviously, is another huge one I forgot. Um, you know, like, for example, one of the m- most overlooked themes of The Matrix is that the human main characters act more robotic than a lot of the machines they deal with inside the matrix who are passionate and emotional. You know, Neo is the most mechanical of all of them. Um, and, you know, ex machina explores this on a much smaller and deeper, uh, a more complex level as well. But Brittany, there were, I counted what I would consider four intimate moments, at least between Helly steinfeld's character and bumblebee who who apparently isn't speaking still by the way really quick guys so bumblebee is sort of like the the runty the runt of the litter who everyone loves because of his heart and, and you know and passion it, you know he's not the biggest and the best and the strongest and that's why people love him and that's why doing this sort of underdog origin story about him is awesome
0: which is also really good because for someone who is outside of this this franchise this fandom Watching that trailer, every single characteristic that you hit is in that trailer. And it looks like a story that will really delve into that. Whereas the other Transformers that I had seen is really Michael Bay, really explosive, yep. really like there are two cars that are your machines just rolling on the freeway. And I have no idea which is which because it's just so mm-hmm. crazy, like sh- camera shake and stuff. Yeah. So it looks like this if this film is going to hit hit a note. That the others haven't, and I think it's going to resonate so much better.
1: Yeah, and you know, you did a thing for the trailer already, but um, just really quickly, I'm watching this in the background. So she discovers the car. She kind of rubs her hand over it. You know, comes home, does like another, you know, like very loving hand rub over the car. Then she's literally in the guts, and in a very, let's be honest, as we start bringing in uh, outside sources here, a very Stranger Things or ET face-to-face between the robot and her where the camera's just right up in their faces. And there you know there's a jump scare coming, but you can't... It's mm. it's gripping, you know? Um, yeah. And then he unfolds with her literally inside him. Sorry, guys. There might be some weird sex stuff going on. I apologize. <laughs> but she's literally inside him, and she sees his entire insides all unfold from one form to another while she's lying there. She should be yeah. screaming, right? And then immediately, as soon as he bulks up into his form, he gets scared, just like E.T., hides behind the car, and she says, I'm not going to hurt you, and then she touches his face, almost as if to like read his mind or soul through the touch of his face, and then they're swimming in the water like shape of water, and then he picks her up later to save her. I mean they here okay so here's the thesis for this podcast Brittany, or 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 the 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 hypothesis the dual hypothesis is why might this movie succeed and why might it fail and one of the reasons it might succeed is based on the emotional chemistry of the cgi bumblebee who looks very very real and a, a, a multiple nominated actress like kelly steinfeld who seems let's be honest fully invested in this movie go ahead
0: well, that's the funny thing is that in between them, I don't think a lot was actually said. And I think this is the best thing when it comes to filmmaking. If you don't have to say it, if no one has to say anything and it can be done in a look or a touch or a movement, do that. And I feel like they've done that. I don't think she says much to Bumblebee. I don't think Bumblebee, well, he can't speak. Well, that's he the just point. spits the cassette. And I think that is how that just has so much more – to the chemistry Mm that it's just a chemistry that we haven't seen before between man and machine in the transformers franchises
1: and the fact that their relationship, even though it's on the positive side of the, uh, of the spectrum where on the negative side, you have everything from blade runner to ex machina where AIs are being created and enslaved to various degrees Mm -hmm. is the second reason, Brett, I think this movie could work and this is tied to the first is the E.T. story where this is actually Bumblebee movie. This isn't going to be the Haley Steinfeld movie with some Bumblebee. Like she's, she is the, the second, she is the lead. She's not a secondary lead, but she is the second lead. And, and the lack of communication verbally in this trailer and the fact that there's nothing but music and the Bernie Mac, which I love by the way, The fact that even I, who's only seen the original Transformers movie in the theaters and nothing else, I I knew that that was the Bernie Mac speech from that movie, um, was great. And it was the exact imitation of Nick Fury's speech in the first Infinity War trailer. Mm. I mean, the first Infinity War trailer that gave everybody chills and got people so pumped up right when Black Panther was coming out was Nick Fury's, there was an idea, to, you know, the the, the Nick Fury, yeah. like, the, I have a dream speech, essentially, right? This is the exact location. I will say location. Go ahead. It,
0: was, it was mixed a little bit weirdly. Like, I struggled to actually hear what he was saying. Yeah. um I think that mixing could have been better. I mean, but that is such a minute thing to pick at. Although it's kind of funny. I'm sitting there thinking, is this like Ollivanders from Harry Potter? Did you uh- <laughs> notice what they
1: did, though, with the speech? the The last line of that speech... Is there is a mystical bond between man and machine, and the reason it's hard to hear is it's, it is they echo it and they have reverb on so that it's reverbing mm-hmm. and echoing in the background, but for that last line they distinctly separate the the words of it so you hear a mystical bond pause between man pause and machine. They're clearly accentuating the the you know the fact that this isn't a man, right, and like. The 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 fact that uh, th- like it's it's not a coincidence they're having a woman for this movie to be the lead.
0: I wanna I wanna put this out there, and this isn't something I would usually like to, mm-hmm. um, I guess, break a film down in this sense because it's it's almost like a um, it could be taken as an attacking gesture, you know. But I don't I don't mean it in that sense. It's it's more along the lines of I don't think that Hayley Steinfeld's role, I don't know, I don't think, what's the name, Charlie, I don't think it could be played by a man. I don't think you could get that emotional touch, the gentle connection through a hand on the face and the sincerity of what Hayley has done. I don't think you could actually swap this out for a male character.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe you can, Maybe maybe no. there are actors out there who could get that level, but I think if you look back to... Shia LaBeouf we didn't get that connection Yeah. Um, what's some other like man and machine connections I don't think this is almost like a it isn't a sexual connection between her and Bumblebee because the only other connection where I guess somewhat protective is like ex machina but that's almost like a protective um, you know sexual connection that the guy had the scientist had with this female ai
1: i mean oscar so, isaac was screwing other robots he had made before <laughs> like it's very yeah, clear it's, yeah. it's
0: quite a domineering yeah. a domineering situation yes. whereas this is more like a protective right that's what of, I said intimate. Uh, mother hen isn't the right word that's why i said
1: intimate and not sexual i said there are a number yeah. of very intimate moments between the two of them i didn't say sexual mm-hmm. but it's a fine line and like that that shot of them in the water where she's above him and rubbing his face it look, that looks like a shot from a teen romance movie in the 80s, but it's Bumblebee instead of a, the good-looking guy. That's all I'm saying.
0: But it's just like the way that she looks at this, at, at Bumblebee, is just so caring and just so like, it's almost like imagine a five-year-old girl bringing in a sparrow with a broken wing. That's how I see this. It's a girl whose heart is full, who wants to love and care and wants to look after everything, but... As you grow up, you kind of lose that sense of of nurture sometimes because, you know, the world is hard. You can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. But this is what I see here. It's this it's this young girl bringing in a broken sparrow saying, can I fix him? Can I look after him? I think that's a beautiful connection.
1: She is clearly more Barbara Gordon than Jin Erso. Clearly. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, Jin Erso's... No, I'm saying in terms of her her arc, Jin Erso specifically has to go through the arc of being a sweetheart deep down, but having so much shit and bitterness and hate and negativity in the way, And it takes an extreme situation for her to get over that and, you know, evolve as a person. Whereas Babs, for all of her flaws and all the versions I've read and know about, or not just Babs, but Batgirl, you know, but I'm just going to stick with Babs for a second, is whatever journey and evolution she goes through, whatever flaws she has to get through or not get through or kind of like being a person with a solid center, both morally and emotionally is not... And again, emotionally, I know there's a killing joke and stuff like that. But I mean, like, as a developed, mature human being, Barbara Gordon is more mature Take the youngest version of Barbara Gordon in the comics is more mature than 95% of all comic book characters emotionally (laughs) and maturity wise. I guess what I'm saying is the journey for Haley Steinfeld in this movie is not going to be, oh, I'm this really annoying teenager and I'm going to become less annoying, which is sort of what Transformers 1 was about. They're doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. I mean, Haley Steinfeld keeps taking roles that are generally played by actors or actresses five or 10 years older than her and doing them better in more mature ways.
0: Yeah, she was in that, um, I don't know the title of the film, but it was like the Western where she hired an assassin to kill her father's killer. Yeah, she and was 12. Didn't she, like, she was 12. And did she, she get like yeah. nominated yeah. or something for that? Uh-huh. So she's, I think she has chosen some really fun, like she's very diverse in that she can do something like that. I haven't seen the film, but I've seen little snippets and I'm like, okay, Wow. She can do something funny as um, Pitch Perfect, which is like
1: I could just tell you this non consequent because yeah. I haven't seen all, sorry I haven't seen all of True Grit, but I can tell you for people tons of people I know who love westerns and aren't normally would be into a character like that just on the page in True Grit in a movie with Jeff Bridges and um, Josh Brolin and a whole bunch of other old school male uh, you know Oscar nominator, Oscar winning actors people thought she stole large portions of that movie as a twelve year old so
0: yeah i've heard those reviews as well but one thing that's great is that she has the range and diversity to play a non-consequential character in pitch perfect who is kind of just the new kid who's kind of like that dorky kind of girl that everyone's like okay you're a part of the team but yeah
1: you know you know her her the the guy who's crazy in love with her benji in pitch perfect uh, oh gosh
0: oh the guy the magician Uh uh-huh yeah
1: yeah who has a great heart he he comes off like a creep even though he's not a creep you know what i mean he's just a giant awkward nerd yeah he won the tony for best actor last year and his cons- and his performance in, in his in his uh, Broadway show is considered up there with uh, Hamilton and a handful of others of the last ten years. So he is going on to giant fame. He's been to the he went, went to the White House. He met the Obamas a couple of, you know after it happened. So he actually against all odds. And if you watch Picture Perfect one and two and Benji's performance, it's actually one of the most memorable and interesting parts of those movies that I do mm-hmm. love. And I loved Haley in Pitch Perfect 2. That's how I discovered her. I already loved Anna Kendrick. I was never into those kind of movies. I went with my mom. We saw Pitch Perfect 2. I don't know if I'd seen the first one or not. I know the first one is much better from a filmmaking perspective. The second one is hilarious. In her awkward comedy... You think this tall, beautiful girl, but she does this thing the way she kind of struts around in sort of an awkward... It's almost like Elaine dancing on Seinfeld. I don't know if that's a... a, You would get that reference. Um,
0: (laughs) I didn't watch Seinfeld, but I do understand.
1: Yeah. She's... You know what I mean? She's like... Let's put it this way. She's more Edge of 17 in real life than she is Pitch Perfect. Yeah.
0: But pitch perfect is like this non-consequential kind of like comedic character and then mm-hmm. you get edge of 17 which actually has so much heart and so much like it's Harrell comedy said. it is uh-huh. but it's like a teen drama and it's funny mm-hmm. she has such a diverse history just in those three films yep okay. and I, I'm, I'm just i'm just praising her for no no can, can i follow I this into a Zachary. direct question
1: for you about edge of 17 okay so Third reason this movie could do really well is just Halle Steinfeld in general, but the ways in which she can do... Like with Pitch Perfect 2, like with True Grit, which was very specifically a spaghetti western tribute, not trying to be a new genre, just this different twist on it, like the new Transformers movie, which is trying to be totally a new drama, but a new twist on it. She can make these things work. So let me ask you as a comparison, Britt, because if you looked at the Edge of Seventeen script on the page without her, without Woody Harrelson, and without the way it was shot, you'd go, this is a run-of-the-mill teen get it growing up story right so what made that movie yeah. so sp- i think special or at least one that you really liked it doesn't even have to be just her or, or only her um but but i thought Edge of 17 achieved that teen growing up story in a way that was so much better than things like spider-man and other like teen stories we've seen in in recent years
0: and i think it might be because and i think you touched on it a little bit with a similar sort of situation with Gamora when you were talking about it in your last podcast is that you knew that pretty much all the things that, she, that Hayley was doing in The Edge of Seventeen, you kind of knew a lot of them were very stupid. It was very petty. You knew it, and she probably, I guess, you know, as an actress, she would have known, but she played the character so well that she sold it, that her character believed that she was being wronged, that she was heartbroken and hurt, and she was she was heartbroken and hurt i can't remember i think like her dad left or something so it's kind of it was very believable
1: her dad died oh he like had a heart attack while she was in the car with him
0: oh okay yeah no i do remember Remember that that? vaguely yeah (laughs) she just died
1: he was she was in love with him as a dad i mean and he just died
0: yeah yeah but um she's she absolutely sold it like you can you watch a lot of like B-grade teen dramas or even C-grade mm-hmm. or whatever. And you watch it and you think, how do you not know how yep. petty and stupid and ridiculous it is that you're doing? Yep. And you can kind of see that the actua- actress kind of believes it too and there's nothing really that much in the role apart from just, this is my line, this is my step, this is I'm done. Yep. Whereas Haley just, you know, took it up a notch. She just actually sold it because it's kind of like, okay, this is obviously petty but it's coming from a place of hurt she does have something behind this, a reason for what she's doing.
1: And what I love about Edge of Seventeen compared to like Mean Girls is the things she's obsessed about and insecure about have almost nothing to do with what other people think about her. Like, Mm. she's incredibly immature and insecure in a lot of ways, obviously, but it's not a, I want to be popular. Like, she doesn't care that her friend is getting more popular. She cares her friends is dating her brother because they're supposed to be best friends. Not because her yeah. friend is now more popular. Does that make sense? Because some girls might, <clears throat> yeah, or, or anybody might be like, "Oh, she's dating my brother, fucking me over, and now she's more popular." Blah blah blah. Like the popularity thing, which again is somewhat of an American thing, um, it was it was never her obsession. But I will say, Britt, you take out Woody Harrelson and you take out her in the same script. While the script had its high points, that movie was great because specifically her performance and Woody's performance.
0: Mm. I, yeah, you know it was perfect casting
1: but i think their performances were better than the material and it was shot great and it was edited great and so you know like like again i don't think I just 17 script on the page as amazing without those two actors in particular she's so comfortable with working with actors of all ages um and pitch perfect let's be honest Britt, she was the only one playing an older version of herself right yeah anna kendrick um um uh uh um britney snow god bless her uh rebel wilson rebel wilson anna um what's her name who's so hilarious um we're all like 24 to 27 playing 22 23 year olds she was a 16 or 17 year old playing an 18 year old essentially
0: damn
1: so that's unbelievably impressive um and you know so there's all that so but let's jump back to the the sort of the guts of the movie this is being a Transformers movie now I've been excited for this regardless of trailer because as I said on our very first podcast a year ago I said over and over again I want Hallie Steinfeld to be Batgirl and now she's working with the writer of both Batgirl and Birds of Prey by the way Birds of Prey has a director a Chinese American woman whose name I don't have in front of me um so birds of I'm prey as you out. and i brit have predicted before or or we've speculated that the birds of prey might happen before batgirl actually we've speculated that in the past
0: if it does please have oracle and please have hayley atwell okay
1: well here, okay so here's a question so do, do you want at to keep end. talking about bumblebee and, and, and save the full-on batgirl talk or do you want to just go straight into batgirl now and we can wrap up on bumblebee later
0: I don't really know how much more I have to say about Bumblebee. <laughs> the only reason why I care is because of its connections to Batgirl.
1: Right? Okay. Great. Okay. I mean, the trailer is so, amazing. I'll so be, let, yeah, me, the let me sorry. Let me tease one major more point about why Batgirl might and might not work, and then we'll 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 just jump straight. Uh, um, Do you mean uh, Bumblebee? Bumblebee? Yeah, Bumblebee. Yeah. And then we'll just jump jump straight into Batgirl. Um, Sounds good. Okay. So. Obviously, this culture is obsessed with nostalgia, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. in our movies with Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Jurassic Park and Star Wars or whatever, in our video games with Zelda and Super Mario Brothers and Sonic the Hedgehog, blah, 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 right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all about nostalgia. But this is already... the reason. Here's another reason I think Bumblebee will work is that it's openly playing on something that has already openly been playing on nostalgia, if that makes sense. Like hmm. they're working, they're already having to work against the weaknesses of the franchise, which are already cashing in on nostalgia without giving us good movies. But the, Oh, uh, what I was going to say Brit was, you know, the, 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 the two reactions that everybody had in all the trailer reactions I watched online uh, that they shared, regardless what they thought about the trailer was one, when he covers himself behind the car, everyone goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and two, when they start seeing not just that Bumblebee's in his bug form as he was initially, but all the stuff that he's doing in his size and power level, people were so pumped that this was the quote unquote G1, aka Generation One Transformers, which again is my level of oldness of Transformers Bumblebee was a bug, and so when I saw the first Transformers movie and he was a hot rod, I was like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> and so I understand them because even though I was off this Michael Bay Transformers wagon long ago, after the first one, I understand why people do care about it and want to see a good version. But as we saw with, and this will be, maybe I'll tease for later because I do want to talk about Batgirl uh, as the main part here. I'll tease for later everything from Han Solo which is getting great fan reviews, so-so critic reviews, n- n- terrible at the box office, playing purely on nostalgia and fan service. Tomb Raider, which a lot of true fans liked, some were displeased with, didn't do nearly as well as it should have, to- the Tomb Raider movie, playing on nostalgia, playing on different levels of nostalgia. Um, you know, it, 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 it can go either way. And, and I think that mm. will maybe we'll circle back around towards the end and, and revisit this, my main point is when you combine the lower stakes of the movie, which people seem to like these days, you know, it doesn't have to be end of the world all the time. Right. Yeah. You combine Hilly Steinfeld. Oh, that was the other thing about the viewings I saw was that not only did most of the female and male nerds know who she was, they genuine, generally, especially the women really liked her. Like, mm. you know what I mean? like, Felicity Jones was well, well, well more decorated, but a lot of people still didn't really know who Felicity Jones was before Rogue One. People know who Hallie Steinfeld is at this point. Go ahead.
0: Because it's, it's quite a, um, like Transformers is such a love franchise. And because I assume there are like fanboys or fan people, <laughs> general neutral of, of the, um, Transformers franchise in the films and all that. I just had a sudden thought, especially after what happened to the Rose actress and what happened to <sighs> Daisy Ridley after her appearance. You're triggering I me. Worry, I'm about to go on a I'm, rant. Sorry. I, I just, I this is the only thing I worry about. I worry that Haley might be attacked, although I she know won't. she's going to do a great performance.
1: I, I can't tell you why, but it's the same reason Scarlett Johansson's been fine. Just, she's just, she's too likable. And the fact that she's both white and Jewish and ethnic all at the same time, it, like, neutralizes a lot of complaints. Plus, Mm. she almost never plays up her sexuality. I mean, with her music, she does a little bit. But in acting, she generally does not. I mean, look, Brit, she she volunteered to cover herself in fake acne in Edge of Seventeen right how many young actresses no matter how beautiful and famous they are would volunteer to do that at such an early age in their career where they're like yes they're going to try and make me as ugly as possible and I'm still going to look beautiful but they're you know and I'm going to do it happily because it's part of my character
0: my only thing is is that I liked Daisy Ridley and I liked the actress who played Rose I liked both the characters and then I was so shocked to see such attacking nature like I know it's not just Star Wars this happened um, across a lot of different franchises as well, these are just the only ones I can you know bring to mind because they 're so recent
1: well, Marvel gets away with it because they never p- put their front line females up front so they, you know i mean oh, that 's very true yeah. <laughs> so and by the way, the Daisy Ridley thing is almost non existent even compared to Rose, but even by its own. Even the people who claim to hate all the new movies, blah, blah 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 blah. Most people like Ray are at least okay with her. The Rose thing is beca- a mixture of what I was afraid of, which was she was given some of the lesser good material in the movie, and you combine that with her being a minority actress, and that was what set people off.
0: I uh, it gets so frustrating when people are upset about minorities taking characters. I mean, calm your farm people. I just don't understand. You
1: know what? Yeah. Star Wars Celebration tickets have been on sale for one day, and they're moving it to Chicago because there's so much demand next year leading up to episode nine. Star Wars Celebration is already 90% sold out after 24 hours in the largest convention center in the country, in Chicago. Um, nice, and, and the response of fans to every single actor in the Han Solo movie, and you heard with Alistair, even though he didn't like love the movie, the the actors of all genders, backgrounds, ages, robot, non robot, etc. People are really, really liking. And so I think, I guess what I'm saying is for Kelly Marie Tran, she's in the right family to, be, to protect her as much as possible here. But this was always mm. a possibility. And let's be honest, very few young, attractive female actresses maintain social media accounts or even try. I mean, Gal Gadot doesn't give a fuck. Zoe Saldana doesn't give a fuck. So they both do it.
0: I think it's very hard to hate Gal Gadot. She, oh, Gadot, sorry, I don't, I don't even know anymore. She is just so beautiful. And I mean that like heart and soul.
1: And I think men are genuinely afraid she'll show up at their doorstep and break their arms if if they... (laughs)
0: Because she can.
1: Because she she can. (laughs) Yeah. And dude, to be honest, Zoe Saldana, I, I, you know, she hasn't had the Israeli army training, but I would not want to tangle now, you know, as I say, I don't want to tangle Zoe unless she wants to tangle. I've seen the films
0: she's been in. She's gone through some, like, I reckon some, you know, hardcore training to get into some of those roles. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to anger the bear or whatever, but... On another note, you want to, like, this is just this is just something I've been thinking of for yep. a while now, and something that Go. I want to throw into the ring. I want either a Netflix series or a movie for She-Hulk.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of people want that.
0: I it's for the past for the past like 2 months I've bought two comics and both of them I've been like damn. She's actually really cool. I don't give a hoot about the Hulk, but She-Hulk. I'm like, this is actually really awesome. And she's, she's got like a hint of Jessica Jones from the next Netflix series. So it's just like, anyway, sidebar.
1: The problem, Brit, is we're trying to bring along the idiot men as quickly as possible. We need to be careful. I, I never want to cater to the idiots nor apologize for them. But as I've said, look, you look at the I'll last. play the card. No, look, just look. Me- her- yeah, no,
0: go ahead. Her clothes tear off whenever she becomes She-Hulk. Do you, do you just you know? There no, we that's go. Not what I mean. It,
1: it's nothing to do with sex. <laughs> it just has to do with prominence. The fact that the Avengers is going to make two billion is because it's still a guy's movie that that women are willing to see or like. But it's still guys in charge. All the main characters are guys other than Zoe, who should win an Oscar, in my opinion, for that role, uh, or nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor was amazing, too. But Zoe was particularly spectacular um, as I followed her career for, for so many years um actually that's why i thought gamora busted her way through in 2014 with guardians one ahead like let's put it this way as soon as gamora showed up in guardians one in 2014 in terms of screen time and just presence she had already pushed her way to the front right
0: yeah, but this is the thing. Um and I you guys spoke again, you guys spoke about this on your podcast. She became more than just the badass female. Yes. Like she's she's grown. And it's the same as as Black Widow. Black Widow's grown as well. But one thing that's very interesting about the character development in um Infinity War is her relationship with Thanos because he's so he's the bad guy, and yet you kind of listen to what he's saying and you're like, "Okay, I guess, like, you know, he's trying to, in his mind, it's a noble thing. And he, you see when he's trying to get the soul stone, that he actually loves Gamora, which is twisted. And this whole twisted situation could be read into so much about, like, domestic violence and stuff and and, and childhood abuse as well and how it's it's followed Gamora for so long. You think, oh, she was probably, you know, um, beaten and stuff, and uh, and she probably was, but it's also this twisted mind game of he's saying, I do love you, I do care for you, I want you to be amazing, and it's this kind of like controlling nature on top of all of that, and that is what they focused on in Infinity War, which was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Brett, because in all my... Po- I actually haven't done that many Infinity War podcasts, but I keep forgetting to bring up the fact that we don't see the so called torturing of her, as she says in the first Guardians movie, by Thanos. Now, you could interpret it as the slaughter of her family in front of her face as torture. Um, and there could have been um emotional torture.
0: Absolutely. You see that with her sister Nebula being torn apart.
1: So I wonder if James Gunn uh, had that in Guardians 1 as sort of an earlier version of her origin story, where they had, because they've been literally trying to figure out Thanos for 10 years. So I wonder if they realized to sell the Thanos character that, yes, he could kill her family in front of her, but he couldn't physically torture her. And so they've sort of retconned that Was something mm-hmm. I've been thinking about.
0: But think back to when um, they show her as a child. I don't think she had any of those silver indents on her face. That's true. So I could imagine that although, like, you know how they spoke about Gamora and Nebula fighting each other and the loser would get upgraded, I would assume that Gamora was upgraded sometimes. She she won a lot, but I'm not going to say she wasn't. And then that would be invasive and the recovery time would be ridiculous. And she's being forced to fight her sister. And she's probably being forced to fight so many different – Aliens and creatures and stuff like it just it would be exhausting emotionally, physically, and she would have been very hurt, very injured in a lot of situations. So she's she's been brought up as a warrior, and being told that this is love.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean it, it, the fact that Nebula is a creature that sort of is born from torture and mixing up her body parts and stuff it sort of neutralizes Mm. any real argument um it's the same thing where it's like i the whole thanos i'm going to kill mathematically half of the galaxy thing still doesn't really add up to me but the emotional performances were so convincing that i don't even care to be honest with Mm. you um and so let's make the transition here because i I don't want to get to too much infinity war stuff but maybe it will come up which is Brittany. Again, a year ago, we were super stoked about Batgirl, specifically because it was seemed to be happening, and specifically because of Joss Whedon. And now we're I I'm stoked again. I know you are now um, once a bit, twice shy about this, which I'm is
0: tentative, yeah, yeah
1: it, it, ambivalent, whatever word you want to use. Is it, I understand, but the fact that they landed on Christina Hodgson in April of this year, just two months. Uh, after Joss was let go slash announces retirement from the project. And by that point, they had already seen not only the full Bumblebee script, but probably some early drafts of what we just saw the other night and more of the movie. And and he's like, this is our girl. Uh, I mean, girl in a nice way, guys. This is our woman to do Batgirl and Birds of Prey. And with Haley Steinfeld being on a lot of people's lists, inarguably for her age and anyone like within three or four years of her age, she's a bit younger than Emma Watson. There's no one in her age group, Brittany. There's no one in the 19, 20 year old age group close to Haley Steinfeld in terms of performance, uh, awards, um, acclaim, and just people liking her in general. So I'm going to ask the direct question Regardless of whether Haley ends up being one of the Batgirls or not, is it a complete coincidence that after we've been talking about this forever? that now she's doing her first big movie with the writer Christina Hodgins' first big movie together in Bumblebee and the next one Christina Hod- Hodgson is attached to is either Birds of Prayer or Beckle or both is this just a total coincidence
0: well I mean we are not the puppet masters of the universe I know so I want to so hear, I hear I your, your, thoughts. your thoughts I think that um I think it's a very good I mean we should probably should have put money in the ring for this it's not a done deal but probably should have there's probably some people betting on who's going to be cast as the role. Um, But uh, I think...
1: I put so much money on it.
0: Yeah, I think it was... I'm looking for... um, I think if Hayley is cast as Batgirl, I will look forward to it more. And if it gets released that it's set in the 90s or the early 2000s, I would be into it even more. And if it's said that Birds of Prey will be set today or in the future, I would be 100% on board oh hang on no 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 i would be 90 percent on board and then if they cast Haley out well then i would be 100 percent on board <laughs>
1: all right so brett so here's the part where i shut up for a little bit because it's been a year but as soon as i tell you this you'll know what i'm talking about which is I'll update our listeners if they haven't been listening since a year ago about the fact that a there are multiple batgirls from different times and eras and so forth And B, in terms of realistic portrayal of it, the difference between sort of the old school Batgirl, the Oracle Batgirl, the killing joke Batgirl, and so forth. And why, um, uh, basically to the average listener, we can say we want Haley Steinfeld to be Batgirl, but we also want Haley Atwell, who's way older, to be Batgirl, and that could actually make sense based Mm -hmm. on all the Batgirls.
0: Cool. So Batgirl's an interesting character in that she first appeared in this... heck, I can't remember what year. But it was actually as um what's her name? The Batwoman's niece. Oh and yes. So it, yep. her name was um Betty Kane, I think. Mm-hmm. So she was Batgirl and that was with a hyphen, but it didn't didn't take off until the Batman sixties show where Yvonne Craig, I think her name was, played Batgirl and she started to come into comics as well. And that is the most popular Batgirl. That's Barbara Gordon. That is who a lot of people are going to – we're pretty much certain that that's the character that we're going to see in cinemas. Um, after a while, because Batgirl is one of the few heroes that doesn't go into the life of vigilantism because of some family tragedy or because she's been hurt or whatever. She yeah. goes in because she thinks – because she feels she has to help, and she is being blocked by her dad, who is Commissioner Gordon – she She'd been blocked by her dad in every which way. She can't become a cop. He won't let her be a cop. Which is ultimately...
1: Sorry, Brett. I'm, I'm going to let you go in one second. I just want to point out, though, the fact that Babs is the most popular, it's not because she was first or one of the first. It's because of the Jim Gordon connection, I think. Go ahead.
0: It's. It, I think it's a little bit of that because it makes such an interesting dynamic between her and Bruce Wayne. Because mm. Bruce Wayne Batman thinks, yes, she's got potential. That's incredible. But... I am putting a friend's daughter in danger. And that's really that's a really hard situation. I mean, as soon as Jim finds out, if he ever finds it's we've had this debate before, but I don't think he knows. Anyway, if he ever found out, that would destroy the Batman and Commissioner relationship. All of a sudden the police force, I reckon, would turn against Batman because that's his daughter. And um, in some issues, he does have a son as well. And in, in other issues, it's actually his adopted daughter because uh, fam- some family members died. In here. Anyway, it gets a little bit confusing. But Barbara Gordon becomes Batgirl because she feels she has to do something. She feels she needs to step up and can't just stick to library science. because She's got a phenomenal brain and she's really... Really intelligent, not just, you know, not just reserved to her brain. She's really good at fighting. She's a ballerina. She goes through this and she comes to the point before college, I think, she decides I have to put up the cape and cowl. I'm done. I'm, you know, stepping away from the vigilante life, which is fine, until the Joker steps onto the scene and is trying to destroy Jim Gordon and Bruce Wayne. No, this is okay. This, this is the whole reason why I am so torn with the Joker being in kids things and being like, I saw the other day, a Lego version of the killing joke, like the killing joke cover. And it kind of just made me go, that is really cool, but it's also really probably inappropriate. But anyway, um, he breaks into Jim Gordon's apartment, shoots, but this is all to do with Bruce Wayne and Jim. He doesn't know that Barbara is Batgirl, was Batgirl shoots Barbara in the spine. She collapses. She's now paralyzed. They kidnap Jim Gordon. And this is where it gets really bad. I mean, it was bad up until this point. He actually strips her and takes photos of her so he can further destroy Jim Gordon because his theory is that all it takes is one bad day for a good man to go insane like him. It's insane like the Joker. In the end, um, it doesn't work. Jim Gordon stays on the straight and narrow, and they bring the Joker in as per the law. So now Barbara Gordon is paralyzed. She has been assaulted in her own home, and it's because of her connections with her father. And she's starting to – she feels – like said, this is one of the best comics ever. She's in recovery, and she's starting to realize that her whole life has been dicta- dictated by her dad not being able to become a cop. Um, having to keep her life secret by working with Bruce Wayne, AKA Batman. She was called Batgirl. So everything is dictated by other people in her life. And that's when she decides to step up and use something that is what she's good at. She doesn't decide to carry on the corner. She doesn't decide to let the world roll over her and she becomes Oracle. She becomes the best dang tech support this world has ever seen. Can I get an Amen. Amen. Listen yeah. to smoke.
1: i still love you but amen
0: <laughs> all right <laughs>
1: sorry i still, love, excited I still love me some elicity but yeah i hear you
0: yeah
1: um and by the way guys if you listen to the podcast from a year ago Brittany describes us in exactly the same way it shows her consistency and which is why we it's- love her
0: it is. It's amazing, and it's this growth as well from this naive, this almost yep. slightly naive mind of, yep. "I have to go out there. I have to help the world." You know, it's yep. it's if I can, then why shouldn't I? Yep. So and she goes out. She does that. Yeah. And then she becomes um, Oracle in that she's she's thinking, "I like she's gone through her crime alley, her Krypton, and that is the Killing Joke, mm-hmm. which is." Another, um, another, uh, debate that one could have whether or not the killing joke was, um, sexist, AKA women in refrigerator or,
1: I mean, if you guys just Google Alan Moore politics, this has become immediately clear what the answer to that is, but I won't
0: mm, it's very interesting. And if she didn't become Oracle, it would have been a woman in the refrigerator yeah. debate, okay. which is all for right. another time. All right.
1: Um, all right. So here's where the baseless speculation comes in.
0: Oh, we're going to talk about it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So start with the Birds of Prey movie. We'll get back to maybe doing a, another a pass on, on casting um, uh, Canary and um, Helena. Um,
0: I've changed my Helena casting. Okay. We'll way. save
1: it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Okay. So then we get that. Then we get a young girl with Haley Steinfeld. And what mm-hmm. if they just decide... she's gonna win in in the end a Batgirl and then retire and they end the movie on the killing joke event essentially and then they make us wait a while and then we go into the future at some point with the main DCEU and get an older but still gorgeous and charismatic Haley Atwell as an older Oracle
0: Which is what we need. Now, I'm going to skip a few Batgirls here, because what happens is that after her time as Oracle in 2011, I think, it's the DC New 52, and they decide they want to put Barbara Gordon back in the boots of Batgirl. Wow, I didn't even practice that alliteration. How sick was that? Okay. Batgirl is back on the streets. Sick. (laughs) But the unfortunate thing is, is that between New 52 and Rebirth, Rebirth being the most recent um, run from the DC comics, is Mm. that... Barbara Gordon has almost regressed in character development. Yeah, it sucks. And I think that is that would be fine if she hadn't become Oracle. So what I would love to see in the movies is if we take DC Rebirth, which is actually some really fun comics. I know like, I talk about the character regressing, but they're great comics, love the art, love the character and all that. Take that into the past and bring Birds of Prey Oracle to now. Because I've read the modern, um, the New 52 birds of prey and it's just not the same because there is a certain intensity found when there is one person who used to be able to do everything and she's now she is confined to being the tech support and she does amazing
1: which is why i'm not in support of it this ultimately i know you are so i'm trying to create the scenario but ultimately Mm. it's too disempowering Unless you can really re-, re envision it,
0: if she the thing is, if she gets attacked in the in the in the space, it is so empowering because she shows how how amazing she is and how pre planned yeah. she is. But the thing is, is there's something amazing about her sitting there with Dinah Lance over in Dina? I don't know, a di- Dina, whatever. Everyone says Dinah Lance. Okay, get your stick out your butt.
1: That's because they're reading it wrong. It's Dina. It's based on the Hebrew <laughs> word for justice. It's Dina. Look it up, people. DC Comics, Jewish history. Go.
0: Well, anyway, I'm not going to start this debate. No, it means justice. So How great, great is overseas. that? Her name
1: literally means justice. She's the so she is the Lance of Dina Justice. Dina
0: is overseas. <laughs> and I mean, like, even if Barbara was like, wasn't a paraplegic and she could go over, it's this confinement of being in the clock tower, which is so much cooler than the Bat Cave. And worrying about...
1: Which I've been playing Arkham Knight, by the Black way.
0: Canary. Oh my gosh, have you reached the spot yet?
1: Well, no, I haven't gotten anywhere because between being horrible at steering the Batmobile and being terrible at time trials, I'm like 4% in after hours of play because I can't get anywhere. So I keep having to Just do get, these time trials. I easy
0: mode. If I can do it, you can do it. I am like the worst gamer.
1: I think I'm in normal mode. I'm an idiot. Just Anyway.:. in yeah. easy.
0: Anyway. Yeah.
1: So the clock, but I'm in the clock tower all the time because Oracle's Oracle.
0: But the, it's really cool because it's a bit of a dynamic. You can have people who – you can have a fight scene in the clock tower. You can have a scene, fight scene in downtown Gotham. And, like, the, it's just oh, – there's something amazing. Okay, let's, I'll bring it back from all the fighting and stuff. There's something amazing about when Black Canary didn't know who Oracle was and the pair of them are sitting in their separate apartments, each having had a terrible day pulling out a tub of ice cream and just chatting to each other, eating that ice cream.
1: Which they've had that scene in the comics before.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Like this is this is I have actually lost the point I'm trying to make, but I mean like okay. it's just
1: It's okay. It's just
0: this sort of camaraderie between the birds of prey mm-hmm. that is that that oh, I just want them to look at can in I give the you,
1: birds of prey. Can I give you a third option here involving all the things we've been talking about that I never thought about? This would be going outside the bounds of the, uh, the canon of the comics. What if after bealing Haley Steinfeld and then doing her thing, but then being paralyzed and then growing up and then she's Haley Atwell, what if she is able to, through bat technology, just able to walk again, but not able to like fully fight, but she can at least like go physically to crime scenes and stuff and investigate the crime scenes. Even she can with still with go physically assistance. in a wheelchair. No, I understand, which is fine. You just would have to sell that with the kinetics of a film. I- I'm totally down mm-hmm. with what you just said. But my point is... You can't have someone as mobile and athletic as Haley Atwell just sitting in a chair, not moving the whole time. That's that's a role preserved for secondary and tertiary characters in movies. Like in the but may- that needs
0: to change.
1: Maybe maybe Why it the does. Hell not?
0: Why can't we have paralyzed people in right. the lead role? Yeah, no, no. I'm not saying she can't
1: be paralyzed, but Rodi Rodi is paralyzed, and he's got cybernetic legs, right? Mm. so yeah, yeah yeah, i'm not saying she's not gonna be paralyzed i'm not gonna say she's not gonna have problems but Haley atwell like all beautiful charismatic actresses look great the more you keep moving them to new amazing beautiful locations i'm talking about just from a strictly filmmaking perspective i would want Haley atwell to be at different locations in my film mm-hmm. even if she was a partially or mostly you know uh paralyzed batgirl and What's she known best for, but being Peggy Carter, who's a fucking badass with a gun and you know, tac- and war tactics and stuff.
0: Ooh, Barbara Gordon does not like guns.
1: No, but what I'm <laughs> saying is, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is, I don't think they cast Haley Atwell if they don't want some sort of physical performance. If just from a sheer logistical standpoint, I'm being honest with you, Brett. I don't think mm-hmm. Haley Atwell comes on this they want some physical performance. Although she is doing the Pooh Bear movie with Ewan McGregor, which looks adorable, and she seems to be just sort of like the tough, loving wife, uh, so yeah. she can really do anything. So look, I am on I'm on board. I'm on board.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna counter that of of the like. I feel like there is such a dynamic that can be seen in how there are comic book panels where she is going into an alleyway to for one of the Batcave Cave entrances or something, and there's like a gang of youths like, "What are you doing here? We're gonna fight you!" And she's like, "Oh hell no!" Nah. And she pulls out, you know, those baton things. And I think that would be so dynamic and so cool. And you you look at the creative people now who are involved in films, who make these beautifully choreographed fight scenes. Imagine adding a wheelchair into that. And I think they could actually create something really dynamic and super incredible because I think it's just – it's an opportunity that DC needs to take up. You can give her an exoskeleton to make her walk, but I just don't think – I don't I don't know. I think having her the the great I don't I don't know why, but it's the great thing about her is that she she has like I guess that wasn't technologically available in the time that Birds of Prey were out. She was an incredibly wealthy person. She could afford a clock tower in Gotham City. She was taking money from Blockbuster, one of Bloodhaven's vicious criminals and gang leaders, and yet she did all of this yes she was in a wheelchair but that was almost Mm non-consequential it didn't matter because she could do everything else and i think that needs to be shown
1: um okay so everything you just said and what we've been talking about it will lead to the final section about the positives and negatives of nostalgia specifically the nostalgia of hardcore fans of any given property like me with star wars and you with batgirl and dc and so forth um so we will get there i do have a quick question though Mm -hmm. This is an honest question because I haven't seen the movie in so long. Where is Bruce Wayne and Batman at at the very beginning of the 1989 Batman? Like, is he already operating strongly as Batman before the big Joker confrontation? Because I honestly don't remember.
0: Uh, because I I'm wondering if we put, which one was it? I just get well, the whole if we put the first one. Michael,
1: K- the very first one, 1989, the first Batman movie, um, because if we um, put if we put Hailey Steinfeld's uh, 1980s Batgirl in that time period, I'm just trying to think like what that situation would be like.
0: An 80s Batgirl film would be incredible. I can imagine the stylistics of that being just so much fun. But even the 90s, I mean, yep. it would be a lot of fun. But you know what would be the best? Thematic, cinematic, Batgirl film. Go on. I feel like a Grease Lightning thing. Thematic, cinematic, Grease Lightning. (laughs) I want... (laughs) It's the Cold Blue Meds, guys. I don't know what's going on.
1: And this is why Brittany has a 24-7 invite on the podcast.
0: (laughs) Batgirl, Cassie Kane. Yes. Set in Japan with a Sin City vibe. Yeah. It would be beautiful. Have you read any Cassie Kane comics?
1: No, but she I know was, you have.
0: Um, raised since birth as an assassin by one of the like lead assassins in the world, his name's David Kane. She was not taught how to speak. She was only taught how to express her feelings through fighting and read people's emotions and feelings through fighting, and that's how she became such an incredible fighter. And if you can imagine that in Japan. With like Sin city color schemes, I
1: know I'm imagining oh, it just with Batgirl. Incredible,
0: yeah, and would this just why be Batgirl a whole needs other to fight. Level Batgirl. It's
1: this thing though; Brit, Batgirl needs to fight. I'm sorry, at some point, Batgirl needs to fight because
0: oh, Batgirl does. Oracle doesn't.
1: Okay. Well, and that's the thing. If they want to pull a fast one, uh, quote unquote, not with you, but with the general audience, if they want to pull fast one in terms of the names of who's named what in real life and who's Batgirl and who's Oracle in that relationship and have Haley Atwell and Haley Steinfeld at the same time, I am totally into that. And they could do it if they wanted to. And the
0: thing is, DC is also doing standalone films. so There's no reason why Batgirl couldn't be a standalone film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean the the birds of prey will be a part of the DC universe because Margot Robbie is there. Yeah. Did you hear they are doing? Okay, sorry, I'm just I'm just I don't understand. <laughs> they are doing a Jared Leto Joker yep. film.
1: Yep. After they supposedly what? cast Joaquin Phoenix, they're still, <sighs> they're stuck on these contracts. No. They screwed up.
0: Yeah. So they're casting. They're keeping Jared. Like what? Like I understand the direction they went with Jared Leto.
1: Joaquin Phoenix was already supposed to be um, Doctor Strange as well. By the way. Yeah. And uh, a year ago podcast, we we both complained about the Joker.
0: Mm. It's just, um, it's like, I understand where they were going. It wasn't well received. They even Jared Letter apparently had a bit of a frustrating time and that there was so many hours of footage that was cut for him. So it's just like, why are we digging up something? Why are we, why are we beating a dead horse? If you want to do a Joker film, do a standalone Joker film. Like, I mean, this is the thing though: you should never do a Joker film. The Joker does not have a history. That's what makes him terrifying. Even the Batman,
1: or really a, or really a perspective. Honestly, he's just a no, force of he's nature. He's just
0: anarchy. Yeah, yeah, yep. If if Agreed. if he wasn't human, and this is the thing that's terrifying, is that he is human. But he is almost a devil.
1: The scariest moment of Dark Knight is when he's not on the screen. That's when he's the scariest. And that's what makes him such a brilliant character. Do you want to see a magic trick? (laughs) That makes me laugh darkly every single time I (laughs) see it. All right. Okay. So here we go. Batgirl, again, let's get back to just sheer realism here. Sheer realism is... If I know it's Paramount with Transformers slash Bumblebee, and I know it's Warner Brothers for, for DC Comics, but if I'm those two companies, I'm making a deal of some sort for Haley Steinfeld right now, where we offer mm-hmm. her a split five to six, seven movie deal between the two companies... Well, they'll work on the time and dates of the movies, and some of the, and then it will either include the ability to, for her to produce and star in like more independent films under their banner, or even just time off. Like, like so, let's say it's a five-picture deal over ten years, but that also lets her do five or more other movies as well. If you know outside of it, I think that's a no-brainer. I think that is a no-brainer. You know, but studios yeah. can always hold on to their talent. I mean. They haven't re-signed Felicity Jones or any any of the Rogue One characters, even though they're still huge fan favorites across the board, and they all are award-winning veteran actors from, I mean, Riz Ahmed, you know, I mean, fucking Felicity Jones, I mean, why aren't you signing these actors to more contracts? So, if I were them, I, I would sign her, and I would make her Batgirl, because, Brittany, honestly, the ability to act and be funny and relatable is the most important thing. And I I think the problem with Bumblebee is, because it's Bumblebee, he's going to be doing all the fighting, and other than maybe a scene to show she can handle herself in a dark alley, we probably aren't going to see her fighting much, which is fine, that's clearly not her role, but let's put it this way, like... Like 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 I didn't I didn't even really know who Felicity Jones was until after I fell in love with Jin so, But Jin seemed like I believed her fighting from the beginning. Daisy Ridley I did sort of was following beforehand, and I was like, oh yeah, this girl is is trained to be like a movie fighter, you know. So I think anyone can be taught to do it um Mm. and she's certainly athletic and she could learn the moves but do you agree with me in general though that rather than get a pretty good actress who has great fighting moves let's go for like an academy award level actress like a Felicity jones or heli steinfeld and so forth and we'll teach them the fighting
0: yeah definitely because i mean like you get you just look at all the preparation that is now behind all these different films and all the physical like they're pushing their bodies to create as close to the characters as they can actually do, and I mean it's physically impossible to to do what Bruce Wayne does in the comics. It's not. I mean, like that's it's no brainer for Clark yeah. Kent, but for, for Bruce Bruce Wayne, who is actually human, I mean, like I think yes, it, it, this is what I was saying with like the wheelchair um, fight scene as well. Is that you have these amazing trainers and choreographers and stuff that are in the business now that yes getting someone who can already do that stuff like tom holland for spider-man is great but you can get an academy award winning or like a very well well received actress or actor to fill the role and teach him teach him the things do the thing
1: yeah especially because you know batgirl's fighting skill uh, I think when just when, when it's portrayed most effectively is her using her brain to move her limbs in a certain way, as opposed to like being naturally balletic, which is way cooler and more interesting. It's like okay, I can calculate the you know geometric swing of my right leg going here, but and smashes a guy in the face. It's fantastic. It's mm. like it, you know what it's like. It's like Sherlock Holmes for the first Sherlock Holmes reboot movie with, uh, at the yeah. very beginning. Yeah.
0: Which is great because that really distinguishes the back girls as well. She's she's really good in that sense. And then you have um, Cassie Kane, who is the second back girl and very kind of natural because she's always been trained that way. She's naturally a fighter. It just it's like breathing for her. And it comes to Stephanie Brown, who is from the streets. She's a little bit like Jason Todd in where she came from, but she's very um, chirpy, I guess. <laughs> but she is so scrappy. She fights dirty. If there's a like a, if there's a fight in a diner, she's known to flip over one of the spa stools and use it as a like a club against one of the shooters. So it's really interesting looking at the different fighting styles and and how they might translate to the big screen.
1: I will only warn you again like I do Star Wars fans. You know, Hansel is doing terrible in the box office. Got okay reviews, but I mean, honestly, across social media, even with as poisonous as so Star Wars social media can be, across social media, the hardcore fans who are actually going to see the movie like it a ton. But, like, a lot of people's reactions is immediately like, okay, now we're gonna get a solo trilogy and we're gonna get a a Lando trilogy and this cartoon and that. And I'm like, guys, just enjoy the movie. Be happy we got a Han Solo prequel movie. Yeah. So, my feeling is, let's go one movie at a time when it comes to Batgirl. And if we're going to go one movie at a time, the first movie has to be a young, brilliant, hilarious, attractive, cool, Barbara Gordon for the first background movie. Yes. And so if, and in if we're doing going that, to do that, it should be Haley Steinfeld, but I'm open to anyone. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: I think in doing that as well, it, it would make it even more almost devastating to have it finish on the killing joke, to have just the Joker, her open the door to the Joker and then just stop it there. Yeah because i think having that would be yeah my
1: preference would be that would be the second movie i think not devastating. the first movie yeah
0: and then also having the the time gap between that and birds of prey if this is the way they're doing it to see how you have this bright sparkling almost a slightly naive bat girl played by haley steinfeld to become this still still lovable character but with hard edges to become Oracle. And I think having that transition and doing that would be incredible because you almost feel the heartbreak. And I think television is doing so amazing now. Like it's picked up. films kind of died off for a little bit, but they're picking up again as well, that it's, there's no reason why you can't play the long game like Marvel has and plan these films. So you have that character development. I mean, you look at, look at Captain America. He's, he's, learning that America isn't what he had hoped. He, he, America wants him to give up on his friends and yeah. what his beliefs are. Mm-hmm. And so it's it looking at his transition and realizing that he now has sympathy for, quote, the enemy, which ended up being Scarlet Witch. And he had sympathy for these kids who went through ex- experimentation because he was in the midst of war and no one else understands it. So you see that wonderful transition of this almost naivety of, I'm going to save the day. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to, you know, protect Bucky to the point of, I've got to make the hard choices now. Everything I believed in isn't really true, but he's still Steve Rogers. Yep. So play the long game, DC, damn it. Play the long game. But
1: Cap, okay, let's be honest. One of the many reasons... Captain America: The Winter Soldier is one of the best, if not the best, Marvel movies, is because of the humor, both together and apart. Of Steve and Natasha are both hilarious together and as characters. You know, Josh started yeah. this in the first Avengers, but they really get funny in, in Winter Soldier because they have time to. And I, I've started to imprint the uh, f- uh, bullshit film principles come up with after contributors wh- whenever they have. So, the Sime semi, the principal principle. That I came up with recently is just that in in any movie, the key is how long to linger on shots and not linger on other shots. If you can do that with a good cast and decent script, how long to linger on shots, blah, blah, blah. So that's the semi-cleanable principle. However, the Mad Goisman principle is that in these movies, Brittany, when you have nothing else, make them funny. Make them funny and human and relatable. And that's what Joss Whedon does so well. And I just think of some of the funnier Babs comic books I've written. And I think of Edge of 17 and Pitch Perfect 2, physical co- comedy and otherwise of Haley Steinfeld. And it's, it's like a perfect fit. Like, and I think that's the hardest thing to cast is hilarity with a young woman in that situation, mm-hmm. right? I, like, other I than Jennifer be. Lawrence, I don't know who else. Uh, oh, okay. I know you don't love Jennifer Lawrence, but but she has great comedic timing. I'm saying in terms of young yeah. big actresses, I don't know who else has comedic timing. Like, I guess uh, Kristen Ritter would be one.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. She'd be great as Stephanie Brown. Just saying. But um oh, sorry, no, hang on. I think I got the wrong name. Did she play Veronica Mars?
1: You're asking you ask the wrong You're the one supposed to get the answer. Hang on. Veronica
0: Mars. Let me just quickly check this. Veronica Mars was... Kirsten Bell. Kristen Bell.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right. right. Yes, of course. Yes. Hilarious. Hang on. Um.
0: It, how do I not know Kirsten? Kirsten? Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Let's wrap this up. There's the face. Okay, good. Let's, Wait, before you yes. do...
1: No, I'm not rapping, rapping. I'm just saying we're heading towards talking about the rapping. Go ahead.
0: Okay, because this this was this you did request this of me earlier on, Mm -hmm. so I think you know I just I just I'm never gonna give you up. I'm never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. And there we go.
1: I have filled my request. Oh, my God.
0: I've never been to karaoke. That is natural talent. <sighs> wow.
1: That, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. my
0: God. Oh, my God. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, applause the- now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that's going right into the intro. It's going to be beautiful. It'll be that, and then Generso Rebellions are built on hope. You're going to love it. Um, speaking of which, the, you got people out there who need you line from uh Haley Steinfeld. I'm like, that's totally the, what ch- chance do we have? What choice do we have? I mean, this is her preparation for the big time. This is it. This is the perfect preparation. She's much younger than these other actresses. Natalie Portman was too young. She's the perfect age. I just hope this doesn't become a franchise. But honestly, let's wrap on Bumblebee and then we'll finish some other subjects. Like, do you honestly think, because we're basically in the same page about why we even care about this, but, but like, mm. do you think this is... <sighs> I think that they've almost announced this as the last transformers movie for a long time like to me that could help or hurt them i guess is what i'm asking you
0: i think honestly i think less is more i'll be honest i i love um i think when you get into the situation like this is a huge like crazy example when you get things like ice age or cars or you're going along those lines of even i don't know toy story Less is more. Toy Story did it well because it waited so many years between the two. Incredibles. I am hoping they're going to do it well because it has a huge gap between the two. Ice Age. What the heck are you doing? Slow down. There's only so many times that that rodent can destroy ice. And I mean, yeah, you have a franchise that's working great, but slow down. Have a plan if you're going to do something like that. Marvel's done that well, but less is more. When you come to like the hundred. The 100 television series was, was I really thoroughly enjoyed season one, season two, season three was getting a bit weird and I kind of dropped off because they didn't really have a plan. It got to that point where all of a sudden there's this nuclear meltdown and it's like, well, this is just getting weird. It's not really post-apocalyptic now. It's way too sci-fi to really make sense. So when it comes to series, sometimes it's good to end it, to stop. And if they stop on Bumblebee and people like it, wait five years, wait a few years, and then maybe make something similar.
1: Yeah, and then it's just a question of again, is she signed to a deal that is that vests pending certain amount of money making? I, I don't know, um, but I doubt it. <laughs> I think Hilly Steinfeld's brain trust is smart enough to know what to sign and what not to sign. And they needed mm. her more than she needed them. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Marvel, DC, they would have given her a shot at some point. Don't you think? I mean, she I, it, I'm not saying she's doing them a favor, but I, she kind of is.
0: Mm. What's her social media like? Because I'd like to know if she's actually a nerd. Because you've got um, Brie Larson playing Captain Marvel, and she posts photos of her just nerding out over Captain Marvel stuff all the time. So she's she's great for that. you got Tom Holland nerding out for Spider-Man. So it's just wondering, maybe Haley just wanted to do a passion project. Maybe she likes Transformers.
1: That's an excellent point. And the main reason that um, as she's doing this, I think, other than some exposure and money, is exactly that. And there's another point in favor of this movie doing well, which is... I, you know, with the first one coming out in 2007, if you're five or, or six or seven years old in 2007, you're probably really into that movie and watched all the movies, even if you thought that the series got shittier or you didn't like all the movies or whatever. And so she is of that generation. I mean, Hilly Steinfeld would have literally been f- seven, six or seven or eight or something when the first Transformers came out. She probably grew up on these movies. I agree with you. I, I that's think that's scary. for sure factoring, in, factoring into it.
0: Do you know what's um, just a fun fact? This is, this is one of my favorite questions to get to know someone. Um, so, like at work or anything, when I'm just with someone I haven't worked with that often, I ask them this question. I'll be interested to hear your answer. Is if a movie was to be made about you tomorrow, who would be cast as you? Haley Steinfeld is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying.
1: I wouldn't wish that on anybody, honestly.
0: Oh, come on as me yeah who would be cast as you
1: donald gleason
0: donald gleason all right hang on i'm terrible with names hey that's actually really cool that's a great idea
1: are you kidding you all the gingers out there weasleys and fucking head of the first order in star wars ex machina great looking guy brooklyn oh man he's so great in brooklyn he's a great actor
0: yeah i'm just saying they gotta curl yeah. his hair that's all oh uh, yeah i'll hey, get yeah. him a wig <laughs> yeah we'll,
1: we'll we'll deal with that we'll deal oh, with yeah, that we'll deal oh yeah yeah
0: casting starts tomorrow
1: mm-hmm. i've already got a producer <laughs> so um what's interesting Brittany? is we've been talking an hour and a half about a movie that normally you and i would never care enough to talk this much about or do a podcast about and it's being released in December that A, has no Star Wars, and B, has Aquaman, which we haven't mentioned between the two of us for like six months.
0: Um, I'm split on Aquaman. I want to love it, but I just I think, never love underwater scenes. Well,
1: no, let me give you my somewhat neutral answer on this, and I'll throw it to you, which is... For me, it's more about that I know I'm going to have a good time at a movie like Bumblebee for sure, even if it's not a great mm. movie. Whereas I don't know that about Aquaman um, at all. Mm.
0: And The thing is, is Jason yeah. Momoa is going to be great in it. I know yeah. that. Um, as, as and I know the director has done some great classic Australian horrors. James Wan, I think his mm-hmm. name is. Yep. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited in that sense. I just worry about visually. I don't know if there's a wire or a screw loose in my brain or something. When it comes to all, underwater scenes, I just I just cringe.
1: Infinity War looked great. Han Solo, whatever you want to say about the Han Solo movie, Solo looked great. I mean, it looked it was like spectacularly great special effects wise. Um, I, I think they'll be fine with the effects. I don't, water effects aren't really that hard to do, and they were not going to be in the water. It's just. Let's put it this way. If you did Game of Thrones season one, but the majority of it was with him and Khaleesi as opposed to the Starks, I don't know that that show becomes a classic show. And I love Amelia Clark as Khaleesi in, in, in him and his role, but I don't think he is like a Benedict Cumberbatch kind of actor. You know? I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch turned Doctor Strange from absolute shite into something that now I'm kind of interested in because of the Infinity mm. War portrayal. Aquaman... Has to, would have to do so. He was so clearly sorry, Alistair. So clearly, my least favorite of the Justice League. I mean, I almost would have cut him from half the Justice League scenes. The rest of the team was great together. I'm excited feel for like, Flash. I like unfortunately
0: they underused him.
1: I'm excited for Flash. I don't know shit about Shazam, but I'm excited because I think Zachary oh, gonna yeah be so funny. So He's gonna I be didn't so care funny. like a
0: month ago, but then they released like great. a picture of him drinking from a Wonder Woman sippy cup from yeah. like a carnival. Yeah. And I'm like, like, yes. You asked about nerdy. Know. He, he is, is true
1: nerdy. Brittany. Yeah, he, yeah. He is he so nerdy that you would fall in me. love with him, even if you weren't so good looking. That's how nerdy he is. And well, now
0: you just had to bring up falling in love with him. Now you're going to fall in love with him. <laughs> Damn
1: it! Sorry. But speaking of which, Heli Steinfeld's not. Heli Steinfeld is that awkward, complicated girl from Edge of 17, but she's not, I don't think, a nerd in sort of the... Um. Well, I don't know, though. I... I mean, I don't think she's into, like, Star Wars and DC, from what I can tell. Maybe she's into Harry Potter. Again, it's a generational thing. Um, yeah. But, but I don't think that'll affect her performance whatsoever. I mean, Jessica yeah. Chastain has now played a science nerd, like, four different times. And it's convincing every single time, even though she might know nothing about science. So, you know. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. We know who the number one contender for the background role is. And I am talking to her right now
0: absolutely and the great thing is is that like <laughs> Haley steinfeld is probably going to charge like hundreds and thousands of dollars look you pay me sixty thousand dollars, i will pay my own flights to america Mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. just cast me as that girl <laughs> all
1: right so l- let's wrap up with a few predictions here uh So, we know Hudson is probably writing Batgirl. We don't have a director. We have a Chinese-American woman writing... um, Kathy Ann. ...Birds of Prey. Here's the thing, Britt. I'm starting to really think that the director and writer position should be separated in most cases. If I had to come up with my top 20 movies, I think there would only be two or three that were written and directed by the same person.
0: Yeah. No, I do agree because that means there's another brain child in the mix. Because as soon as, like, um, I've recently, I wrote a script. I, I don't know if I just, I sent it to you or not, actually. It's not a recently written script, but it's it's about artificial intelligence and stuff, and a friend of mine jumped on it, and she loves it. She wants to produce and direct it later in the, if, if this ever happens. Yeah. But the thing is, is having another brain on the project means that we can point out things that might not work visually because writing it is completely different to filming it and if you if you're a person who's written and you know created the script and and it's your baby then you're going to get blinded by what won't work I think that's yeah. the downfall of writing and directing.
1: And it, look, there's a couple personalities like Ryan Johnson and Joss Whedon that kind of have to write for their own movies. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Even though both of those guys are, you know, controversial these days. Cause every, everyone is bold and makes statements controversial. is controversial, whatever. Yeah. You guys don't like the last Jedi or Joss Whedon's movies, TV shows. I don't really care guys. Just don't, don't watch it. As Alistair yeah. said, just go watch another movie, you know, like mm-hmm. just, do something else I think we that's, don't need that's you. the
0: frustrating thing In that you can have critical opinions And that's what we do I mean like that's what I do for Nova Stream. I have a critical opinion But you can also have An abusive opinion if that makes sense I think that might be too harsh of a of A a title But let's just call it that An abusive no, opinion You just go like, out yeah. and you have No I didn't like it It was stupid, it was crappy, it was terrible Okay why? No I just didn't like it But why? No it was terrible as soon as you start attacking something without any like a basis of reason, as soon as you start attacking a person for that's, n- absolutely nothing—that's that yeah. you know, like race, ethnicity, um, gender, sexuality—as soon as you go at attacking those things, one, you've already lost the argument. Like, why the heck did you even go there? And two, that's not being critical; that's being abusive. That's attacking. Anyway, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs>
1: I know, and I I don't know. No, I don't know why. I mean, you go to The Force Awakens and Rogue One on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like a ninety percent fan rating, and then Last Jedi and Han Solo have like a forty percent. Like people just turned mm. against the. Pro- Some people turned against the property. Um, mm. There's no question, and the problem is companies financially do have to deal with this stuff, but you know. As I've always been saying, the one thing Disney never prevents its directors, writers, and actors from doing is speaking their minds online and directly to the media and so forth. So, you know, I mean, at least these people, at least they feel like they can stand up for the people they love and they care about. Um, But back to Aquaman and no Star Wars, which sucks. And they should have put Han Solo in December. They would have made like 200 more million dollars is really dumb. I just, I don't like, let's put it this way. Look, I, I can imagine an acceptable scenario uh, of scenarios for Aquaman, but I don't see sort of a best case scenario where this becomes a temple for a bunch of future movies and team movies based around Aquaman. Mm. I, I'm not seeing it, Brett, but if you if you do, please.
0: No, I think um, when it comes to DC films, I I don't understand their plan. I mean, I want to be protective. I want to be supportive of this franchise that I love so much, but... I I do feel like Warner Brothers has let the franchise down a little too often. Um, on one hand, when it comes to Zack Snyder's Batman vs Superman and Man of Steel, I did really enjoy them. I did enjoy them, and yet they got slammed and whatever. But it's just almost like someone—it just seems someone has to take the fall nowadays. And it's like, well, it's just at the end of the day, movies are art. It's art. So why do you need to defend art unless it's, I don't know, killed a baby? <laughs> I mean, like, like look look at Batman versus Superman. I thought it was a great look at how the media would respond and how um, just looking at actually Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne instead of just Superman and Batman. I really liked that. Other people didn't. Cool. And they had great reasons why they didn't like it. But for them to, for people to turn around and Throw blame is ridiculous. I mean, that would be like me throwing blame at Marcel Duchamp because he signed a urinal, and me saying that's not art. That's terrible. What the hell? He used a black marker. Why the hell didn't he use a green one or a yellow one to represent urine? He isn't doing um, modernism right. He's letting it down to. Sh- I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. Like at the end of the day, you don't freak out over an artist's. Work like as you do with movies, so I, I I've actually lost the point where I'm going on. No, I've no, just no, way no. Back on my that was, box.
1: <laughs> a, that was exactly what I was saying. Is yeah, I mean, th- there, we just need to figure out what that line is. Uh, but I think you pointed mm-hmm. it out, which was personal attacks. Yeah. If you it's, one thing, it's I, one thing to I'm, not like the direction of a movie. It's another thing to call the director a dumb, worthless piece of blank shit or something.
0: Yeah. I am one thing I found is really helpful when writing reviews and stuff or if I'm, so this is the thing that we were taught at university when it comes to critiquing other people's work, make a crap sandwich, Mm -hmm. give someone something good, tell them something they can improve in or a few things and then tell them something good. Always find something good. And when it comes to reviews, I do try and do that. Even if I love a film, I want to find something I didn't love. If I hate a film, I want to find something that I liked. Because it's just, it's stepping out of your shoes for a moment and figuring out why um, why this was made, why it would appeal to some people or why this wouldn't appeal to some people. For example, probably one of the worst films I've watched, which was actually really well received at the Melbourne International Film Festival, was Daphne. So it's English film, I think. Mm-hmm. And I the story was just really drawn out really boring and i couldn't really catch there wasn't much decisiveness in the discussion and a lot of it was mumbled and i didn't really hear what they were saying but even as much as i didn't like the story and how much it dragged i loved the filmography like it was just beautiful pops of color and it was just really Mm -hmm. they really put thought into the visuals Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, yes, you can dislike something, but you can also find something good about it. And as soon as like, there's no point in me, I don't know, at- attacking personal issues of the film. Cause it's not, it's not helpful. Cause at the end of the day, no one's really going to show up to a film because, or not show up to a film because of someone's, I don't know, personal life. Well, I hang on. No, they will. I take that back. Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> it is a big thing that people won't show up because of personal life
1: i mean look to bring it all back around i don't have a problem with, with a a woman that is not joss whedon doing batgirl whatsoever but the way that it yeah. happened and the fact that the studio was either behind it or let it happen and humiliating this guy with spurious claims that have been backed up by nothing I mean, yeah. other than the fact that his wife doesn't like him, we've heard nothing but love and compliments from women that Whedon has worked with over a 20 to 30 year periods, And the fact they seem to be forced down, you know, for, for, for these reasons is what angers me. Maybe we'll get a good or as better background movie than he would have made. Time will tell um but do you know what i mean like it, it's it's a shitty situation all around and but however they did announce that he's doing a whole new series of like female-led detective mysteries uh that people are excited about so you know what he found he, he's back to where he needs to be Maybe, which is making yeah. smart television for smart people i think that's honestly his movies are great we and keep making weird smart television for for nerds um it seems like he's back to doing that
0: no that's good that's good it's good that he's like Mm -hmm. got himself a niche and he's come out of the other end of it because i do agree it was it was a a mess
1: so here's the so let's let's end on something very uh, specific about all of this so say you're either you're either in the mind of heli steinfeld or christina hodgson now hodgson obviously turned in the script quite a while ago these days, though, when it's a single writer on scripts like these, they do come to the set a lot, if not for the whole shoot. Um, so that seems like that's, that would be the place to have the conversation on set, right, between Haley and, and Christina to see if there's some, some synergy there. I mean, obviously, Christina Hodgson isn't in charge of casting. Oh, that was my question to you, and then we'll close up. Is, who, who do you think ultimately is behind this decision? Like, who is the person, men, men, women, whoever, k- 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 oligarchy, who say, that's Barbara Gordon, and that's it?
0: Well, you got the casting director, whose job is to cast
1: for somebody I do think that oh, obviously up, yeah. the
0: writer and the director will have pull but at the end of the day when it comes to films from my understanding the producer has the final say so if the producer decides that they don't like Hayley Seinfeld they've put the money into this film they're paying for this to happen if they don't like her, then it's just not going to happen. It doesn't matter how much that the casting director said, yes, she's the one or, or whatever someone else says that. And then at the end of the day, I guess as well, it's, it's Haley's choice whether or not she accepts the role.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly think that Although she
0: has said she'd like to play back. Girl, so I'm just going to put that out there. That's
1: true. She does. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the final thing you said there is, is going to be the true thing is that she's going to be, I think for sure she would do one. I think the key, and here's the other thing, Brittany, even if you and I have the grand plans for like a couple babs movies and then a bunch of oracle movies, the bottom line is if Haley makes an amazing background movie and loves it and they want to give her a bunch of money to do a bunch more, I feel like you could at worst have them going on simultaneously if she's in the past, right? I mean Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. My biggest thing is that I just want one. I just want one good yeah. Batgirl film. I don't need a franchise for Batgirl. No, and I sure. just want one yes. good Birds of Prey film. I, I agree. Um,
1: I agree. I guess the point, yeah. the point I'm really trying to make, and I'll, I'll send it to you for final thoughts, is I want the movie and movie experience to be so good that she wants to make more. Not that they're pressuring her to. That's, you know, yeah. it's like the movie's so great and we love it so much that she wants to do more. Um, that That's what I would want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm so okay
0: all
1: right final thoughts to you outside the box thoughts uh opinions guesstimations oh i know we should end with Uh, what uh, are there any other movies this year that you're actually looking forward to because it's a pretty horrible slate
0: the incredibles yeah which funny story okay i'll end on a story how about this probably give you a bit of a giggle The other day I get a message from Alistair saying he has five tickets to the premiere screening in Brisbane for The Incredibles 2. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to jump on that. Mind you, parking is ridiculous. Driving into the city is insane. So it has to be a pretty big event to actually get me out of the house (laughs) because I am a homebod. Anyway, so I get the tickets. I um, I decide I'm going to try and give them to my neighbors. My neighbors can't go because they have young kids, so I thought they'd enjoy it. But they can't go. I start calling around my work friends, but they're all working or they can't make it either. So I get Jackie and I get my friend from high school, Morgan. So I'm like, right, there's two other tickets. That's good. I know I have five, whatever. So we rock up. There is absolutely nothing for The Incredibles 2 premiere. There is no red carpet. There is no person at a stand for me to get a ticket from. There is no merchandise. There is no photographer. There is nothing. It's just a normal cinema. And I'm like, what is going on? So I sit down. I'm chatting with Morgan. Morgan hasn't been to one of these before. Jackie comes up and we start discussing, this is really weird. What do we do? Go into the candy bar line, get up to the register. I'm just like, hey, um, I'm Brittany. I'm from Novastream. This is a little different than usual. What's happening with the Incredibles 2 tickets? Poor lady had no idea about this. She's radio, radioing, um, you know, her manager. Her manager comes down. You know, I say, hi, hello, explain. Yeah, whatever. So she he goes off. He's trying to figure something out in his office. We're standing at the end of the candy bar line, uh, so out of the way. And then the lady who had served us goes, oh, hang on, here we go. Alistair, right? Prints off fi- uh, five tickets. And we, well, were only three of us. But anyway, we take the five tickets. We go, oh, okay, cool. Thanks. And we go into the cinema which does have a little bit of a red carpet there. So we're like, okay, maybe this is, this is right. We sit down, we're watching, and there's ads. We're like, there's never been ads before a premiere, before only trailers, what the heck? And then the lights dim, the movie's about to start. And you know how Disney and Pixar have like those little videos? It's little kind of like mini stories. Before I, do. Movies? I,
1: I rarely see those movies, but I do know th- about them, yeah.
0: Do you remember the one, uh, I guess if you really saw it, but do, did you see the one before Incredibles? It was like this sheep I that I definitely gets saw shorn. Incredibles
1: in the theater, but I have no recollection. Mm.
0: But anyway, so it's, it's about this little sheep that would dance all day and then he gets shorn and he loses his beautiful fluff and now he's just this pink, ugly, naked mole rat. So we're sitting in the cinema and this is playing and I can't help but go into tears of laughter. And Jackie and Morgan sitting either side of me are like, what the, what's going on? What the hell? And I turn to each of them and say, this is the first Incredibles. This is a family screening. Look at all the kids that are here. <laughs> so we had <laughs> driven <laughs> into the city. Jackie had taken public transport. We'd gone into the city. Uh-huh. I paid $58 for parking. Jesus we Christ. got in and it was the first Incredibles with a cinema full of kids so we're just sitting there like oh did my did you gosh. not like look at the ticket
1: like they didn't say on the ticket like we this is not those so new just, incredibles just
0: looked at no they didn't there was uh, something lost in translation so i said that to Alistair. i'm like um hold the promotional photos for our instagram uh, yeah. this is incredibles one uh-huh. well wow. and i was just like i'm just i am so sorry i misread the email so that was a very eventful night, but I now have well, I just, actual Incredibles yeah. 2 tickets.
1: I just hope you don't show up for Bumblebee opening night and end up seeing Age of Extinction instead.
0: Or if I go up to Bumblebee <laughs> and I see what's the, the B movie, Dark, end up seeing the B movie the <laughs> with be, Jerry the bee Stein- movie? The Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god.
1: So I'm, trying yeah. to, I'm trying to think of which of these names is worse. Revenge of the Fallen, Dark of the Moon, Age of Extinction, The Last Night. I think Dark of the Moon is the worst of those names. Dark of
0: the Moon is really stupid. Yeah. That's like that's like, guys, I'm a 15 year old. I'm going to start a screamo band. Let's call it Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. Okay, so yeah. so
1: actual final thoughts <laughs> on a positive note. Um do you agree with me though that th- what what would make Bumblebee successful, but also th- what would make it like the most interesting is if they just go full out, uh, like one-on-one relationship of those two characters. You know what I mean? Like
0: oh, they've got to focus on the chemistry. If they don't focus yeah. on the chemistry, it's just like I mean, have those explosions, but don't go don't go as crazy as the other films.
1: But they weren't even showing that many explosions. It's mostly them hanging out. It was great. Dude, when was the time you saw a trailer take that long to get going? It takes almost a minute before there's the opening reveal shot. And that is so beautiful, by the way, where he unfolds above her and she's just lying there.
0: Um, like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's perfect. I think that a lot of trailers can take from this because I know very little about the story. I know very little about the, the characters and stuff coming out of the trailer. But I know that Charlie, Haley's character, and Bumblebee have a strong connection. And I think that that's all they need in a trailer, really, because they've sold me. I want to go see this film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I just, I never know how nostalgia is going to function, because the Han Solo movie is actually better than it should be, but it's also total fan service, so I sort of get the mixed reaction. Um, you know, we talked extensively, guys, you can listen to our Tomb Raider reviews. Tomb Raider was a well above average blockbuster action movie didn't seem to connect to to a lot of people or some people um but yeah i don't know i mean do you have to make a 10 year long mcu to get the two billion dollar avengers infinity war you know i mean Mm. i guess deadpool is proving you can fit in the middle bumblebee is at a 102 million dollar budget by the way which is right in there um with, with what we've been seeing with tomb raider logan deadpool and so forth um yeah, I don't know, thoughts about, just general thoughts about all this going, and then I'll let you go. No, just about, I guess, sort of the um, the place of these mid-level, in terms of budget movies. Uh, whether it's the R movies with Deadpool and Logan, or, or this movie, or Tomb Raider, or The Martian, or Creed, or... Like, I guess what I'm saying is, I want more of these mid-level, whether it's R or PG-13, I want more of these mid-level movies, and less of the $250 million movies.
0: I think it's 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 a great show of how you can how you can build a film like this and how it doesn't have to be so grand and insane to suck audiences in because bigger isn't always better, like I was just saying before, sometimes less is more um, and I think I mean it's Bumblebee is pulling in someone who wasn't a fan of the Transformers, and it's because they have done less. It's because they have looked at something smaller than world domination or destruction and in doing that i think they can it's it's giving it what's i don't know what the word should be but it's kind of like it is it's that's the word we're going full circle it's a nostalgic feel
1: you know with your your congestion you're sounding especially daisy ridley ish i have to say
0: what is it like isn't it a ship that made it to what's it in under 12 parsecs castle
1: the Kessel run under, under 12, 12 parsecs.
0: parsecs luke skywalker luke skywalker
1: <laughs> i have a whole new uh, montage which i haven't unveiled yet as a new theme which is uh like a dubstep version of last jedi music with quotes i put together <laughs> some, great, uh, some yes. great great quotes uh but um, yeah, so I, that's the thing. Here's the problem. Thing is, I I I kind of don't want Haley to get too highly attached to any franchise right now when she's so young and she would be doing tons of movies so this is kind of the perfect transition i think yeah because if it fails she will not be blamed for it it's going to make it 500 million dollars no matter what and if it makes 800 million dollars people you know it's like a whole new level but it's, it's a bumblebee movie so it's not like you have to keep continuing the series you know um yeah And I think actors and actors are getting smart. You know, like I always joke about getting Felicity Jones back, but part of the reason her and Diego Luna and those actors did what they did for Rogue One was because it was a one-off deal, and they had a blast. But that's all they wanted to do, and I can't, I can't not respect them for that.
0: Yeah, and I think one-offs is a great idea. Like that's that's how like what I mentioned before how DC are doing standalone films. And maybe they should have just done that from the start because I kind of like the idea of a universe where it's just Wonder Woman or just Superman or – I mean like because it doesn't really make sense in a a world where you have so many superheroes like in the Marvel Universe and have a secret magical organization for Doctor Strange that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't know about and all of a sudden – Domagu or something Domamu is attacking yep. the Hong Kong He's so overpowered as Doctor, only Doctor Strange. Strange shows up God
1: he's so over- he's so OP he's the most OP character on on any screen I think I mean he can keep well, reversing time in the entire universe what stronger power I mean, than
0: that <laughs> Scarlet Witch is actually the most oh. overpowered character oh. she held oh. Thanos back with one hand I
1: love her while
0: emotionally distraught and destroying the one of the infinity stones with another. So, I mean, yep. no other character destroyed an infinity stone. No other character, apart they, from captain America for a little bit, uh, could hold him off, uh-huh. but she did it one handed. I, yeah,
1: they better, she's the most powerful. They better not only preserve her character, but expand her role because she's a brilliant young actress in the perfect superhero role to fit her look and personality. I mean, mm. the daughter of Magneto, m- magical powers, she'll go totally look like let's put it this way if they play their cards right elizabeth olsen going all um uh, Project sorry, Project M or whatever it's called, where where the Scarlet Witch in the comics goes crazy and kills off all but like 200 mutants or something, mm. could way out overshadow both the both the Dark Phoenix <laughs> series that Fox has been trying and failing to do with Dark Phoenix in the X Men movies twice now in the trilogies. We'll see if they can wow. do it again with Dark Phoenix. Because technically, the original X Men movies with Jean Grey going dark was the Dark Phoenix series. But they could do House of M is what I was looking for, um, or Wanda goes what totally is, crazy.
0: In bringing the, um, the so-called dead, dusted characters from the Avengers, in trying to bring them back from whatever realm they've, they've landed in, some people say the Soul Stone or whatever, what if in doing that they break something in their parallel universes which brings the X-Men Deadpool all over into the Marvel Universe? What
1: if? I don't want the X Men and MCU. I don't think it'll happen. I don't just want kind of it. Like I know, <laughs> I know, but I feel like I'm the only one because people think like, oh, you love Disney, you love X Men, you must want the merger. I'm like, well, sort of, but I don't want X Men or Deadpool. The thing is, De- yeah. Deadpool would be the one that you could move between the two, just because you don't have to explain it because he's Deadpool.
0: Because he, yeah, because he breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you, i'm surprised that wolverine hasn't showed up in like, there yet. you could
1: have the x-force in general kind of show up occasionally in weird situations in the avengers but i would want the mostly the x-men x-force deadpool wolverine etc mutant universe to be separate especially because their villains like the x-men villains are so specific to them like you don't yeah. see mr sinister and apocalypse interacting with captain america a lot like it just doesn't happen or magneto ever um yeah i, mean, I think they have enough
0: here. heroes as well to have their own universe yeah.
1: anyway i think i think they would do that but yeah no I'm, I'm on board with that thought so all right well um thank you so much for being on it's gonna be a bizarre summer so maybe we'll just do a totally even crazier than usual podcast at some point this summer about god knows what um yeah i don't know last thoughts movies you're watching tv shows video game recommendations anything i'm
0: watching brooklyn Nine Nine for the first time oh, and yeah. that's where my new huntress um Casting, oh yeah, from. yeah,
1: cool. So, yeah, yeah.
0: so I'm chain, So I have um, obviously Hayley Atwell for for Oracle. I have Gemma Atten as Black oh, Canary.
1: I love her. And
0: Stephanie Beatrice as Huntress. Okay. Now, only mostly because um, while watching it, that's one of my friends said, "Hey, this would be a good idea." I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, I don't know," but then you actually see. Some scenes which in Brooklyn Nine-Nine where she actually shows like some emotion other than being Rosa Diaz, you know, and you're like, well, hey, she actually has a lot of depth. I think she could do Huntress, but that's my final thought why isn't Gemma
1: arterton in more things she must be a a good but not great actress is the only thing i can think of because her looks and charisma are insane in the few things i've seen her in like she has the look Mm. and feel of a great actress to me um so usually those types of people aren't not being hired um also another thing again about heli steinfeld is she's taking like one role a year maybe one every two years which is super smart um mm. for her age she's got a good brain trust man this is the thing i never understand about the olsen family is the olsen twins are so fucked up but elizabeth olsen has been running her career amazingly and seems totally on point with her life so i don't know what happened there maybe the olsen twins just they went totally on their own uh but again when you have like young natalie portman or young Helly steinfeld it's always really impressive when they're able to ha- yeah. handle themselves that well. Don't you think even after doing a music career, you know, thing like everything else, like yeah. she seems to be handling herself really well.
0: No, I do. I do like um seeing that Hollywood doesn't always destroy young actors, which is always, you know, the bright side, which is always nice to see. I mean, it's so funny just seeing where the Harry Potter actors have gone. So Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe has done some, a lot like a few indie films and an Emma, Watson. She's now helping like UN and like a lot of that different sort of things. And then you have Rupert Grant. It's kind of like dropped off the face of the earth, but he's just still kind of, he pops up every That's now and then. because he's Apparently run he weasling. Come on. He bought a freaking ice cream truck. <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. He's got my vote for president.
1: I was just happy that. Not
0: American and neither am I.
1: <laughs> this is going to sound really uh, simplistic, but. I was just glad that first shot of Haley Steinfeld with the car was, A, not over-sexualized, but more importantly, she looked like she was not starving herself. I was very happy. They're like She
0: actually looks like she's pretty strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but you know what I mean? It's like always a worry. You know what I mean? um it is an interesting juxtaposition to megan fox though let's be honest even though technically the lead human character was shia labeouf the most memorable shot of someone stroking a car is megan fox in the first one and <laughs> yeah which is it's such yeah.
0: a different scenario than what Haley had in that trailer
1: yeah Haley's the opposite in some ways the opposite of megan fox and no no shade on megan fox she seems cool whatever but You know, in terms of where they got where they got with the movies in reverse order, it's hilarious. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, all right, Brett. Well, thank you so much. Feel yourself better. Um, Feel
0: myself better? Yep. Do you maybe want to choose a different set of words?
1: Feel yourself much better.
0: But you do know what that sounds (laughs) like?
1: I could make it worse, but I'm not going to.
0: Um, no, let's uh <laughs> let's pretend that never Feel happened better
1: darling and <laughs> um yeah, let us know um i mean uh, people get the nova stream links but you can drop that anything else you're you're working on you want to you want to drop to the bizzlecasters
0: well i've got a couple of trailer reactions on my brick Girl channel as well mm-hmm. that one i post very sporadically because I, well, i'm now it's really just because i'm lazy yep. um <laughs> however i have since the start of year, I've been working on a cosplay documentary, which I am trying and I'm not sure where else to go from from here. I'm trying to get in contact with someone from Supernova to get it screened at Supernova at a, a convention. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. That's my life at the moment.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have you back on again soon. I'll get all those links in the copy and... Um, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully we c- it won't be another two or three full months. Um, that Tomb Raider discussion was super intense. It is one of my favorite podcasts, honestly. Uh, that Heck, we did. Heck, we talk about lots a day. We, oh God, we did. Yeah, we did. Hope I, I mean I knew this was going to be the me babbling about Haley Steinfeld's podcast. I tried to be a straight. I babbled as about Haley
0: Steinfeld. Yeah, <laughs> we're and, and the Haley worst. Was, well, we
1: are the worst. And then we're going to be right, and everyone's going to be forced to acknowledge our greatness.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm already great. I don't need everyone to acknowledge it.
1: Oh, oh Nice. I, I like. I like oh, the confidence I the jump. <laughs> I like the confidence jump. Nice. I'm great. I don't need any want to acknowledge it yeah all right even when I'm wrong especially especially when you're wrong Um, absolutely yeah so all right guys thank you so much we'll be back at you soon thank you Brett thank you NovaStream and for the moment y'all we are out